Our great God, we do want to thank you that we are a part of your great family as we've just sung and yet we pray that you would help us not just to look to each other but to look to you. Please would you speak to us as our Heavenly Father and tell us what we need to learn to live as a family in a way that pleases you. And we pray you'll help us to do that as we study the Bible in Jesus' name. Amen. Page 944, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in Christ, if in fact, the Spirit of God lives in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, or that the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if, we, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Well, we press the pause button there. Uh, our children's group will go out to there little lesson and we'll carry on with ours after they've done that.
Right, the coast is clear. Uh, we have uh, our chance now to study that passage, as the children will be doing, and let's uh, do that as we turn. And keep open, please, if you've accidentally shut it, then find Romans chapter 8 again, page 944 is where it is, and we'll have a look. But I want to tell you about somebody at the start to give you a flavor of what this evening is about. Let me tell you about fictional Fred. Fictional Fred, a random name I picked out of the hat, and yeah, he's, he's struggling. You see, he wasn't a Christian before, but I didn't really think very much about God once in his life, but now when someone explained about Jesus and he actually fully understood and got it, it was so clear, it was so obvious that he wanted to follow him, that he should, and and that's what he wanted to do. He wondered why he hadn't seen it before. It was so obvious uh, what the Bible tells us about him. And he found lovely, caring people in his church. He began to notice changes in himself. And Fred was mightily encouraged. But then after a while, Fred had another rain check on his life and he had a look and a think and he didn't actually think that he'd changed all that much. Yes, there were certain things now that he did differently and he certainly came to church on Sundays, but deep down he was still selfish. Deep down he still lost his temper with people and deep down he still sometimes failed in sinful habits that he just couldn't get rid of. I chose a random name like Fred because I know that there's no one in this room called Fred. But everybody in this room who's a Christian will know how Fred feels. And this part of the Bible is written not by a man called Fred, but by a man called Paul. And he's an apostle, but there's a lot of Fred in him. And in Romans chapter 7, he told us, in Romans chapter 7 verse 19, that he did not do the good that he wanted to do. Instead, the evil he did not want is what he kept doing. That's Fred. He just struggles. It's like there's a war going on. Now, if you're in a war, what is it that's going to help you most? I want to suggest from this passage there are two things. One is, you need one new friend to encourage you. And two, you need to be really clear who your enemy is. So, point number one, I'm going to tell you about a new friend. Point number two, I'm going to tell you about a new enemy. And just to keep you interested, neither the new friend or the new enemy is what you think I'm going to say. So you'd better keep listening. First, there's a new friend to encourage you. I know if I asked you, who's the new friend there to encourage you, you're immediately going to tell me, well, it's God, isn't it? Or it's Jesus, he's my new friend. And I told you again that that's not what this passage tells us. It's not the friend that this passage has in mind. It's certainly true 
that those are your friends, but this passage is more focused than that. Before we tell you who the new friend is, let me point out to you the obvious words of encouragement in verse 1. There is now no condemnation. And those are the sweetest words, you agree with me by the end of the evening, that anyone can hear. It's a surprise to hear those words because if in the previous chapter we were told that the good that I want to do I can't do but the very evil that I don't want to do is the thing I keep doing, well you would expect the words to then read therefore there is condemnation. Because if I break God's law you would expect God's law to condemn me. But the law never wanted to condemn me. The law always actually wanted to be my friend, my best friend, telling me the best way to live. But my trouble is I'm allergic to the law. You can see in verse 7, when the law tells me not to do something, that's the very thing I want to do. Uh, it's just like penicillin. Penicillin is a lovely drug. It's there to help us to, well, stop getting infected and diseased. But if you're allergic to penicillin, it has a bad reaction on you. And the law is actually great medicine. It is there to stop our lives getting well, infected and diseased, but I react against it. When God tells me to do something, it has the opposite effect on me. Uh, it has, creates a bad reaction. It triggers disobedience, as Romans chapter 7 uh, and verse 17 says. If it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what is to cover to the law had said, you shall not cover it, but then... When the law comes and tells me not to cover it, that's exactly the thing I go and do. And so the law triggers disobedience in me and I break the law and therefore the law condemns me. It has to. But then something happens in verse 2. Do you notice? Jesus steps in in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 8 and he keeps the law for me. He came as a man like me, it says in the sin in, in the likeness of sinful flesh. That doesn't mean that he became a sinner like me, but it meant that he had the capacity to sin like me. Except instead of sinning, he perfectly kept the law. Now he did that when he died, he perfectly obeyed God, and uh, in that sense uh, he was wonderfully uh, obedient. But in another way, you could also say that actually the whole purpose of Jesus living all those years before he died on the cross was to perfectly keep the law on my behalf, for my benefit, in my place. So he kept the law for me in his life and in his death, and also in his death, he paid for the times I've broken the law in verse 3. He died for sin, it says. 
So the end result of that in verse 4 is that the righteous requirement of the law might be now fulfilled in us. It's as if we therefore have perfectly kept the law ourselves because he did it on our behalf. So you see, as a result of that, the law is really now my new best friend. It's not God saying to me, there is no condemnation. Yes, he does, but specifically it is now the law that has always wanted to say to me, don't be condemned. That gave me all the instructions that I wouldn't be condemned. And then I got myself condemned. And now the law can, because of Jesus, come back to me and say, now at last I can say what I've always wanted to say to you. There is no condemnation coming to you because you are in Christ Jesus. I don't know if you know the story about uh, Romeo and Juliet. They come from two warring families that hated each other but then these two fell in love. Know the story? It's a very popular one and from that moment if someone in Romeo's family came and said bad things about Juliet uh, Romeo would say uh, no uh, that's wrong you don't know what you're talking about and if someone from Juliet's family came and said bad things and bad mouth Romeo, Juliet would turn around and say, stop it. I love him. And in the same way, the law will not hear one bad word said against us. And we need to savor the sweetness of those words. There is no condemnation. Because if you think about it, in all your down moments, what is the root reason why you feel low when you feel uh, discouraged? It is because you've got it wrong again and because you feel condemned again. That is the psychological uh, foundation for all our sadness and in those moments it is the law that comes to us and says look you've done it you've done it in fact you've more than done it because Jesus has done it for you so this is the best news that you could ever have it is it is better than hearing your cancer's gone this is better than getting the dream job you've always wanted. This is better than getting accepted into uni. Better than getting a first from uni. Because none of those things will take away the feeling, the deep down feeling that we are disappointment to ourselves. What we need several times a day is for a new best friend to come along and say, Look, there is no condemnation. I'm still your friend. Heads up. Don't live your life heads down. There is no condemnation. You have a new friend to encourage you. And that's uh, the law. But you also have a new enemy to fight against. And it's worth knowing who that is. 
because again it's not what you expect you expect to be to say the new enemy that you have now is the devil well is he the enemy look closely at what Paul is saying and what he says a lot of in this part of the Bible is not the devil but actually in verse 3 he talks about our sinful flesh do you notice that you can't miss it can you I mean it's mentioned 13 times in 17 verses now what you what's the sinful flesh it's our sinful nature it's our sinful desires and those are the things that are lodged inside us not outside us in our sinful hearts remember when Jesus was talking about uh, why we do wrong stuff in Mark chapter 7 he says it's out of the heart of man that comes out evil thoughts and everything else all that gunge it's not the devil kind of putting stuff into us but we've got it all inside us our desires are horrendous and they keep taking us down they're the real enemy and Paul talks about it so many times but when we become Christians then the Holy Spirit of Jesus comes to live in the life of every believer I do mean every believer because if you look at chapter 8 verse 9 at the end anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him now friends can I tell you something that the Holy Spirit is a person not petrol because people talk about you know people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit you've got I guess less of the Holy Spirit um, and some people got full tanks and some people got half a tanks but actually that, that works with petrol it doesn't work with the person you've either got the person or not okay and that's what verses 9 is saying if you don't have the person where well, you haven't even started yet And that's, again, something that is massively stressed in this passage. The Holy Spirit is mentioned 15 times in these 17 verses, another four times after that. <clears throat> now, again, you see, it's really important that we get the Holy Spirit right, because in other churches you do get a lot of mention about the Holy Spirit, just like in this passage. It just really says things that the passage itself doesn't say. So people say, you know a person's got the Holy Spirit when they start speaking in tongues. Or when they go to church services where amazing things happen. Now, let me say that speaking in tongues is a gift of the Holy Spirit, and some people do, but it's not general. And when there are special effects in church services, well, certainly in every church service there should be the amazing miracle of God's word from the Bible becoming his personal word to you. So you go home feeling like God's been speaking to you on this occasion. Yeah, those are the important things, but a lot of people say, well, no, the mark of the Holy Spirit is you speak, everyone speaks in tongues, or that miracles happen in church and that sort of thing. Well, they do but the biggest miracle is hearing God speak you can't get bigger than that but when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit 
and what the Holy Spirit is really there to do, it tells us it is that he is there to help us to put to death the deeds of the flesh. It's there in verse 15. It's where it's the Holy Spirit's job is to take us a different way to the sinful nature, to lead us in a different direction. That's the main road that this passage tells us the Holy Spirit is wanting to lead us down. So again, you see, I think we've just got to say it because these are the wrong things that are often said, that the Holy Spirit is leading me to go to a certain place and do a certain thing or speak a certain word. Well, again, in the Bible, there are occasions when individuals specifically are told to go to a certain place and say a certain thing. But when it comes to the general message of the Bible, what every Christian should expect the Holy Spirit to do to them, to lead them, it is, as verse 13 says, by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. That's how you know you've got God's DNA in you in verse verse 14, the very next verse, because all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. You know you have got God's DNA in you when you are led by the Spirit to put to death the deeds of the body. That's how people now want to live as God's children. And when they want to live like God's children, they speak like God's children. And so the passage ends towards the end in verses 15 and and, uh, and on, that the, 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 the... children of God cry out Abba Father. Now again this is not general prayer. Okay I'm going to pray I'm going to cry out Abba Father. No that's not what's in mind. In context this is not a general prayer this is battlefield prayer. This is prayer that says Lord, my sinful desires are now getting stronger and stronger for me. I'm not going to be able to cope with this, but you need to, by your Spirit, help me to put to death the deeds of the flesh, to fight these desires that are wanting to take over. So like a laser gun, you are praying. You're pointing prayer at exactly the spot of our desires saying Abba Father kill those desires help me to kill them you're you're aiming all your prayer artillery at these desires in order to, 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 to destroy them so yes you have a new friend the law to tell you your future is safe there is no condemnation But you also have, uh, uh, and because you have no condemnation, one day you will rise to live a new life. That's what the Spirit does in verse 11. It is very interesting, isn't it, to say that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is the ministry of resurrection. You don't normally hear that spoken about in a church, yet that's what verse 11 tells you. 
but at the same time the Holy Spirit says you've now got this new enemy in your sights be trigger happy on your sinful nature fire everything you have prayerfully to destroy them well what can we take over from this if you're someone who's new and you're not a Christian yet and you're wondering what is God's personal message for you tonight well read verse 1 there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus now what does that tell you if you're not in Christ Jesus it tells you there is condemnation have you broken God's laws answer yes in which case there is condemnation that is what the law will tell you but there is no condemnation is also a verse that tells you it doesn't have to be like that you can read verse 2 and ask God tonight to free you from the law of sin and death and to fill you with his spirit to live with him so that you belong to him live as a person who belongs to Jesus from now on what happens if you've uh, sorry that's the person who's with condemnation what happens if you are someone who has been to church lots and you've heard about the Holy Spirit lots but let me guess at this mainly you've heard about the Holy Spirit in the context of worship not war and we sing Abba songs on Sunday I mean <coughs> Abba Father songs on Sunday rather than make this our battlefield prayer on Monday that's what the Abba Father prayer is all about and it's therefore true is that the people very often need to unlearn what they've learnt in the past to become children of God in a biblical way and that's what this passage wants us to do so that we ask God for a new prayer life that we might be led by the Spirit to do what they've been doing in Syria uh, the last couple of days precision bombing of our sinful desires sending the missiles there as we pray so under a barrage of prayer we can put to death the deeds of the flesh rather than to be led by them kill off your sinful nature see it as your enemy wage war Paul talks about um, pommeling his body and subduing it. My friends, that is what Christian warfare is about. Get into uniform and arm yourselves to the teeth with prayer. And if you are a real believer, well, you might feel discouraged in the battle but keep replaying the voicemail message left by your new best friend there is now no condemnation for you however much you fail 
Don't be discouraged. You have done it. Jesus has done it for you. So don't ever be discouraged, but don't be defeated either. Let's hit our sinful desires with every uh, <coughs> uh, weapon we have in our possession and use them in prayer to put to death in order to be led by the Spirit into a Jesus-like life. Yes, we, there's no condemnation. We are free. It's not like you've got to do so many good things uh, to balance out the bad. We are free. There is now no condemnation. Jesus has kept the law for you. But use your freedom to be led by the Spirit to uh, kill off uh, the deeds of the body. It's a bit like this. We start with a fictional friend story. Let me end with a fictional story. At least I don't know whether it's fiction. I don't know if it's true. It's a good story. Uh, and it's a story to do with uh, Abraham Lincoln. And you know that he was the president who was wanting to campaign against slavery. And so the story is this, that he went into a slave market where they were having an auction. And there was a slave girl being auctioned that day. And so Abraham Lincoln started bidding. Every time someone bid, he bid one dollar more. In the end, they couldn't keep up. He got the slave girl. She came to him. And he said, you're free. And she said, okay, you mean I now have to do what you tell me to do. That's what my freedom means. He said, no, you're free. He said, what? Free to do what I want? You're free. Free to go where I want? You're free. Long time of silence. And then she said, I want to go with you. That's the Christian life. That's how it is for the Christian with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. First, a moment of quiet where you talk to God about what he might be saying to you tonight. And after a minute, I'll pray a prayer for all of us. Well, we've had our minutes, so let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you for the sweetness of those words. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And we thank you that those words are better than any other words we will ever hear because no other words will take away the deep sets of defeat and failure that we have. Because our consciences tell us that we do not keep the law and therefore we feel dejected. But thank you that because of the Lord Jesus, the law is now our new best friend and we can live with, his, with, with its reassurance ringing in our ears every time we fall over. 
and we pray that you would please help us to live with that uh, joyful message being brought home to us many times a day that we might live with uh, the uh, delight of knowing that we are not condemned we are on the road to living life perfectly in your presence and we ask Lord that in the meantime you would please help us to uh, not simply accept that uh, uh, we will uh, do things wrong, but to really understand why we do things wrong. To see the source of uh, the wrong that we do, the sinful desires that are in us. And please help us to seek you in prayer that we might uh, mightily fight against those inner evil desires and resemble the Lord Jesus more and more as we are led by his Spirit to live his life. And we pray that for the glory of his name. Amen. <laughs>